Well, tonight we come to chapter 8 in uh, our study through uh, the confession. Again, just using the confession to help guide us to understand uh, a sound theology, um, a a good systematic theology of one that covers uh, many areas. And uh, chapter 8 comes to the section of of Christ the mediator. And uh, if you have a copy of the confession, it's actually 10 paragraphs. Uh, this is uh, one of the longer chapters. And uh, when you compare this to the Westminster Confession, chapters 1 through 8 are almost identical. But the London Baptist Confession adds chapter 9, excuse me, paragraph 9 and paragraph 10. And um, you'll notice if you see at the the top of your notes, um, it says uh, we're going to be looking at paragraph 1 and 9 and 10. And uh, instead of trying to just come back to the same thing, uh, we'll stay on the same theme and look at uh, paragraph 1 and then paragraph the the additions, uh, 9 and 10. And just kind of interesting to think, why did... uh, the framers of the London Baptist Confession add these things. And it uh, might be a, just a, something for us to, to consider as, uh, as we are doing this. Uh, paragraph 1. Let's look at it on the screen together. It pleased God in his eternal purpose to choose and ordain the Lord Jesus, his only begotten Son, according to the covenant made between them both, to be the mediator between God and man, the prophet, priest, and king, head and savior of the church, and heir of all things, and judge of the world, unto whom he did from all eternity give a people to be his seed, and to be by him in time redeemed, called, justified, sanctified, and glorified. Again, you can see the bridge from chapter 7. Because chapter 7 was uh, of the covenant. And again, if we kind of remember uh, on last week, speaking about how the covenant, uh, the covenant of grace was not one particular covenant, but was the picture of God's plan of redemption over the, the course of history. From eternity past to the present. Why? Because there was a problem. There was a need of of a savior because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God that God is a holy God again we begin with God and then we come to ourselves to understand a proper view of ourselves in light of who God is that paragraph again begins and speaks about how God the father and God the son made that covenant in eternity past that There was a people who would be redeemed, but in redeeming, that would happen in time and space, but the covenant was made in eternity past. So while it was made, it was not fully fulfilled until Christ physically came to earth. It says he came, and it uses seven different, or six kind of, I believe mediator is kind of the overarching Uh, picture here a mediator anyone what is a mediator okay aka parents right i see a few nods in parents Uh, again 
two sides that are have a something between them that needs to be reconciled or mediated. Oftentimes when we think of mediations, it can be something that is a, a court-appointed mediation between two sides that are coming to a lawsuit, but they're trying not to go officially before the judge, so they go before a mediator, and that mediator is trying to find a way to bring a reconciliation between the two. Again, it, it's based because there's a problem. And again, the problem and the reason we need a mediator is because of our sin. The, this is God's gracious gift to mediate. Again, we saw last, last week that the covenant is something that God it was not required to do. There was no hope unless God himself condescends and comes to us and brings a covenant to us. And the mediation really is the same way. Our only hope is not to get God in a holy headlock that he gives up and he says, okay, I'm done. But there's an understanding that God himself must be not just the covenanter, but the mediator himself. We, we see that, that phrase multiple times. But the mediator, the one who was chosen... The prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 42, 1 speaks and says, Behold my servant whom I uphold, my elect one. Notice uh, the, the capitalization there to help us understand that this is speaking of that, that one to come, that chosen one. We even sung about that just uh, the, as we were beginning our time. Lord continues saying, I have put my spirit upon him, and he will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. That there would be a mediator provided, a chosen one. But mediator, I think, is kind of this overarching term. And there's six other terms here in paragraph one of the confession. Uh, that first one there is prophet. We hear of these three, and we'll look at them as we kind of close. Prophet, priest, and king. But Christ was prophesied to be a prophet. What does a prophet do? A prophet speaks to man on behalf of God. Or another way to put it, just kind of mixing those words around, uh, speaks on behalf of God to mankind. So the information is coming from God to man, and that is what the prophet does. Moses wrote in Deuteronomy 18.15, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your midst, from your brethren. Him you shall hear. Again, one of those passages looking ahead to Christ. And that was somewhat held dimly. We didn't, uh, the people of God would not have necessarily known that that was a prophecy. But the reason we do is because uh, Peter on the day of Pentecost in Acts 3, uses that and ties it together with Christ being the fulfillment of that. That Christ was a prophet who spoke from God the Father to mankind, but also a priest. Priest does the opposite. He speaks to God on behalf of man. Do you see the difference? Prophet speaks from God to man. Priest speaks from man to God similar works in that they are both kind of roles of mediators to uh, communicate back and forth. Hebrews 5, 5 and 6 say, So as 
So also Christ did not glorify himself to become a high priest, but it was he who said to him, You are my son today, I have begotten you. That's Psalm 2. And as he also says in another place, You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Christ had those two works, but that third one there, prophet, priest, and then king. A king is a a ruler of a people. And isn't that exactly what Christ is? He has a people that have been given to him by the Father. Luke 1.33, even uh, speaking of Christ at his birth, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. If he's going to have a kingdom, he has to be a what? A king. But notice the confession continues, not just prophet, priest, and king, but also shows uh, how Scripture speaks of Christ being the head and savior of the church. Uh, Paul writes about this in 1 Corinthians when he's saying there's many uh, parts of the body, but Christ is the head. Uh, We see the the picture um, in uh, Hebrews 1 uh, and 2. Uh, Actually, I... Hebrews 1, 2 goes with the next one. Uh, But uh, the next one is heir, the heir of all things or the recipient, the one who receives. Hebrews 1, 2 says, has uh, verse 1, that in the former times God spoke to the prophets and in these days he's spoken through his son. Verse 2, has in these days spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom he also made the world's. Psalm 2, verse 8, Ask of me, and I will give to you the nations of your inheritance, for your inheritance, and the ends of the earth for your possession. Really, uh, I think the uh, how deep the Father's love, um, I think that's a picture that we, have, as Christ's people, get to receive the blessings of that throughout all of eternity. That we are co-heirs with Christ in receiving the blessings. And as uh, that, that hymn said, uh, how can I give an answer? Uh, we're not worthy of salvation. We're not worthy of, of the blessing that Christ uh, gives us. So, again, we see these titles, and, and these titles will keep coming back over the, the paragraphs of this chapter. And as we look at these, we see the work of the mediator that a people would be given, again, as paragraph one says, but they would be given and we see the order of salvation. Uh, Mr. Powers mentioned this, uh, I think, last Sunday in, uh, in the teaching. But uh, Romans 8, verse 30, Moreover, whom he predestined, those he called, whom he called, these he also justified, and whom he justified, these he also glorified. To see that the promise of the covenant was made in history past, that it was going to take place in time and space, and it would be accomplished. It wouldn't be left up kind of saying, well, I hope it happens. Isn't that amazing truth? That we're not left wondering that God was faithful to fulfill his promise. Now, here's kind of where we shift all the way down to to paragraph 9 in the chapter. Paragraph 9 speaks about, it says, The office of mediator between God and man is properly only to Christ, who is the prophet, priest, and king of the church of God, and may not be either in whole or any part thereof transferred from him 
to any other. Again, you consider the time that this was written. It was written to really draw that distinction between the Protestant and the Catholic Church. That there is one mediator between God and man. That we do not go to a a earthly priest. We do not go to an earthly pope who mediates. But we have the great high priest. And it's specific enough to point out that it's not just in whole, but even in part. Because sometimes we might say, okay, yes, I agree in principle. But there can be these things um, in which... Well, maybe partly. There, there's, this, there's these good deeds that the saints of old have done, and, and maybe they have some efficacy for me, that they can go before God when I pray to them, that they can have a, an extra end to God the Father. This week, Jenny and I took some time to celebrate our anniversary, and she got her nails done. And the, the lady who was doing her nails um, was a Hispanic lady, and uh, she asked me what I did as I was sitting there and said I'm a pastor. And she's trying to, English isn't her first language, so she's kind of translating in her head, what does that mean? She's like, well, I'm Catholic, so what's the difference? And so it's like, she says, do you like the saints and everything? And that's where she started. And it was interesting just to see that her her frame of reference, it became very clear that she was not a very practicing Catholic, um, but that uh, in light of even thinking about this paragraph, that we have one mediator between God and man. Though we may appreciate faithful followers of Christ before us, they have no efficacy. They cannot mediate between God the Father and us for they have no value because they too have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Again, 1 Timothy 2.5, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Jesus Christ. Again, the Catholic Church, as the, the doctrine distorted, it's not that they deny this verse. But again, if you've had opportunity to read my emails over the last few weeks that it's the sola the christ alone the by faith alone it's not a denial of by faith we're saved it's by faith and it's by christ and it's by scripture and and so this is why uh, i believe the the framers of the the second london baptist confession were really trying to to draw that line To bring clarity. And then lastly, why do we need a mediator? What what is it that a prophet, priest, and king that we need? And just a very practical paragraph here. While there's a lot of great theology all the way through this, it really just kind of in the midst of a huge document brings some great practical truths. Look at paragraph 10 on the screen. Or if you have it on your page. This number and order of offices is necessary. For in respect of our ignorance, we stand in need of his prophetical office. So first of all, we need a prophet because we are ignorant. We need truth from God brought to us in Christ and spoke to us. In respect to our alienation from God and imperfection of the best of our services, We need his priestly office to reconcile us 
and present us acceptable to God. So as prophets, we're ignorant. We need help. Here, as far as a priest, we need a priest because of our sin. We need the priest, the high priest of Christ, to present us faultless, blameless before God the Father. I thought much of, uh, of uh, Hebrews over these last weeks. And just Christ is better. Christ is better throughout the whole book. But we are in need of a priest because we have no ability of ourselves to stand acceptable before God. Kind of like the prophet Zechariah. Our hope is not to have our clothes washed but to receive the priest's clothes and be clothed in his righteousness. The picture of, of Christ covering us. That, that our sins never disappear, but when God the Father looks at us by faith in Christ, we are covered in Christ's righteousness. That we see that covering that takes place. As the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 7, verses 24 and 25, but he being Christ because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, he is also to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. What is Christ doing right now? He's interceding before the throne, constantly on behalf of his children. And then the end of the paragraph and in respect to our um, averseness and utter inability return to God and for our rescue and security from our spiritual adversaries, we need his kingly office to convince, subdue, draw, uphold, deliver, and preserve us to his heavenly kingdom. I, I don't remember reading that paragraph before. But just as I've been studying it this week, it's like, wow, what a great way to just paint that picture of why we need Christ to be prophet, priest, and king. And throughout this earthly life, throughout scripture, we see pictures and types of those, of those uh, works of Christ. We see priests in the Old Testament. We see prophets in the Old Testament. We see kings. They're all fallen and none of them were prophet, priest, and king. What a blessing it is as we see the glory of Christ uh, upon display. As Colossians 2.9 says, For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. It's because of Christ, it is because of his work upon the cross that we are able to go before the throne to go before the throne with confidence in prayer. That we don't stand in, on our own merit to be able to be heard. But by his grace, he's provided a way that we can pray. And that's why we can have confidence that God is hearing the prayers of his people tonight as we pray. It should encourage us and should embolden us as we pray that we do not stand on our own merit, on the merit of saints, but on the merit of Christ to come before his throne of grace. Let's pray.
I think when I've seen differences, especially key differences like whole paragraphs, I think it's because they've maybe there was an error that was still kind of rampant that they were really trying to speak to. Um, the clarity. Uh, sometimes I think of Gouge uh, in, in, his, uh, in his books upon family. He really goes after the Pope. Uh, but that was a time of that they were really trying to draw that distinction that, that there's one mediator. And I, I think that was something that wasn't necessarily a criticism to the Westminster. Uh, from what I understand, we, uh, we hold to the second London Baptist Confession. Um, the first London Baptist Confession had paragraph 9 and 10 in it, uh, which was written about the same time as the Westminster. So I think it was just an issue that they had that they didn't feel like was clear, clearly enough articulated, but they felt it important to, to take two full paragraphs. I think, again, there's that practical application side that don't really see a lot of that through this phase of the confession. And... Uh, I think it just is a great reminder that theology doesn't sit out here. The truth of God's word doesn't sit out here, but the the truth of who Christ is and, and the truth of his word just shines right down. Sometimes we just have to connect those dots a little bit and to see that all truth should change the way we live or to understand uh, how, uh, how we should live. Great question. Any other questions? Daniel, you raised your hand. Okay. Well, let's pray. Father, feels like uh, we could spend our lifetime looking at the person of Christ and to not be able to, to see all of the, the majesty and the glory that uh, he possesses. But uh, thank you for these words that kind of cause our minds to see uh, his work and his titles and why we need that mediator. For we confess that we are unable to save ourselves, that, that we need someone to fix the problem of sin that separates us. And thank you that you have provided in your eternal plan a, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Lord, we stand in awe, humbled at your provision, and may we love Christ and cherish him more and more. May we see our utter need and the amazing provision. Lord, that we would, with glad hearts and expectant hearts and um, with boldness, proclaim the truth of Christ that there is no salvation apart from Christ alone. Lord, protect us from error. Protect us from seeing Christ and. But may we stand truly on Christ alone for salvation. Lord, continue to bless us as we study and see the person of Christ to see his deity and his humanity in beautiful uh, fashion. Lord, give us understanding as we seek to know you in Christ's name. Amen.